I'll say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Thanks, Jandy. Well, hey, Kairos, I'm Chris, I'm the pastor here. Uh, thanks for permission to be out last week. Um, I was in Denver uh, for a class, so that was exciting and wonderful. And so just a couple of quick comments before we jump in. I'm so grateful for Kelly Minter to come in um, and serve you guys through the teaching of the word and for whatever authority you guys have placed on me as the pastor here. I'm glad she got to come underneath that authority and just totally exegete the tar out of that scripture in the wedding narrative where Jesus turns water into wine. If you haven't listened to it, it's online. You need to do it. It's unbelievable. Um, I'm a little bit jealous of her teaching skills, um, but uh, there's one point critical error I think that she made that I take issue with and I need to publicly rebuke her for it. And that is she uh, obeyed the brim, love it, great bottom line statement. She said that the servants who obeyed and were part of the miracle never got to taste the wine. Now, I don't know if Kelly has ever worked in the food service industry, <laughs> but I have, and I can tell you that those waiters at that party tasted that wine and ate that food, okay? Maybe she's not as keen to depravity as I am, but I would like to think that those guys were back out back smoking and going, this is the best wine I've ever tasted. That's the heaviest jar I've ever drugged before. And now Jesus is king. So, um, but that's up for debate. She probably did better work in the original language than I did. But anyway, I was so glad Kelly was here. Thank you guys for permission um, to be away. And I'm honored to be back and can't wait to see what the Lord has in store for us tonight. Second thing is, let me just say this as clearly and succinctly as I possibly can. Um, and I will get emotional. Um, I'm a father of a white male son. I'm a father of a black male son. I don't know about you, but I'm angry. I'm scared. And I'm hopeful for our nation. I'm more convinced now than ever that we need to be an outpost of heaven here on earth that we need to be the kingdom of God where every tribe, tongue, and nation has a seat at the table and that we respect and honor and give dignity to the image of God that is put on every man, woman, and child. And so I would love if you'll just permit me uh, to read a prayer over you guys. I'll put it on the screen so you can see it because it's, it's a bit wordy. It's by no means original to me, but I think it's pretty prophetic and pastoral for where we find ourselves in this season of life. And again, you guys, <laughs> I have great hope that the gospel will be released in you in powerful ways that change the world my kids grow up into. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you will live deeply within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and the exploitation of people so that you will work for justice, equality, and peace. And may God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you will reach out your hand to comfort them and change their pain into joy. Amen. Thank you. So a uh, question for us tonight when we start out is, how do you go from being a crisis Christian to a committed Christian? 
That's why I, I want the question to guide us tonight. How do we go from just being a crisis Christian to a committed Christian? Well, Chris, what do you mean by a crisis Christian? I'm so glad you asked because I'm actually somewhat of a quasi expert on the subject, having lived half my life as a crisis Christian. What I mean by crisis Christian is um, I kind of said a sincere prayer way back when that trusted God with my afterlife, but I find it far more difficult and inconvenient to pray prayers that trust God with this life. What I mean by crisis Christian is I'll say a prayer before a meal, but secretly I don't have much of an appetite for the meat of God's word. What do I mean by crisis Christian? I mean, it's the kind of thing where I want everything that the world wants and when I get it, God, I'll thank you for it. Even though it's probably bankrupted my character in the process and I've made promises to share it, but secretly I wanna hoard it. What do I mean by crisis Christian? It's the kind of Christian that prayer is not my first resort, it's my last resort. Once my plans have been pulverized, my self-sufficiency no longer exists, and I've tried every other avenue in my strength to accomplish something, then I turn to God in crisis. That's what I mean by a crisis Christian. One who unfortunately sometimes gets in the middle of a crisis and then and only then do they cry out, God, would you be my rock and my refuge? Would you lead me and would you guide me? Not for my name's sake, but for your name's sake. And it's usually then and only then that crisis Christians start to flirt with becoming committed Christians by whispering the prayer, Lord, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And so that's gonna be the phrase that kind of guides us for our series. We're gonna be in Psalm 31 for the next month and we're gonna take it verse by verse. Um, and in our text tonight, we're gonna read verses one through five in Psalm 31. And that's the last, one of the last verses that's uttered, into your hands, I commit my spirit. We're gonna read that in just a second, but I want you to be listening for the context clues that brings the psalmist to such a place where they can cry out, into your hands, I commit my spirit. So Psalm 31, if you'll pray with me. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen? Psalm 31, starting in verse 1. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. How do we go 
from being a crisis Christian to a committed Christian. That is the cry of this text. First, an illustration, if you will. Uh, in 2010, after 17 days, everyone presumed the 33 Chilean miners were dead. Do you remember this story? All of them trapped 2,300 feet below the ground. It was the golden copper mine. And in its 120 year history, it had nine deaths so far. But these 33 miners who were trapped, this looked like it was going to be a tragedy from which the country and the company would not recover. Rescuers and help began pouring in. NASA even got involved in the game, trying to figure out how we could engineer a rescue plan. Finally, when rescuers broke through after digging eight separate pockets to see if anyone was still down there, a note came back attached to the back of the drill. And when the rescue team pulled it out in big, bold, red letters, it said, we are all okay in the refuge. 33 Chilean miners survived for another seven weeks on ration food and water until finally they were hauled up to the surface one by one. Into the rescuers' hands, they committed their lives, their salvations, and their very spirits as they were dependent upon a refuge in the midst of a collapsed mine. I tell you that story because that's one of the words that is used in this text again and again, a refuge. That is probably one of the single greatest reasons that the psalmist can say, into your hands I commit my spirit. And there's, there's two words I want us to focus on tonight. It is that there is a refuge and that there is a climbing place. So one way to think about that is there's a hiding place and climbing space. Both of those things will be catalytic for us to move from crisis Christianity to committed Christianity. So my question for you tonight is, where do you go in order to feel safe and secure in the Father's arms? What are your patterns? What are your habits? What are your rituals? Where do you retreat for refuge? My question is, do you have a refuge tonight? And are you okay? Because if we're gonna move from being crisis Christians to committed Christians, we've got to have a hiding place. And in the verse two, he talks about this. This is what happens in your hiding place. He says, incline your ear to me, God, and rescue me speedily. The picture there is of a child tugging on a parent's shirt tails and going, Psst, come here. And God leans down and inclines his ear to us. And we have committed and consistent time where we are able to whisper into our father's ears when we have his undivided attention and he has ours. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. I'm scared and I have no idea how this is gonna turn out. But I trust in you, oh God of truth. Another thing that helps us in our hiding place and moving from a crisis Christian to a committed Christian is also in verse three, it says, free me from the traps that my enemy have set for me. My question for you tonight is, what are the consistent traps that you're tripping in your life that are keeping you from taking refuge in God? Do you have a place, and more importantly, do you have people that you give permission to speak into your life and say, hey, as we walk through life together, would you just kind of take notice? What are the traps 
that I'm especially prone to fall into? What are the places in my life that you see me repeatedly running away from God and not running to God? Who is your refuge? Bible reading groups, excuse me, it's the isolation allergies. I apologize. But again, I hope you've heard me said this. I don't care if it's with us, just do everything humanly possible to find a group of individuals that are a rock and a refuge and a demonstration of God's love for you. That you don't have to run and you don't have to hide. That it can be a hiding place, a safe place where you can begin to ask those questions and then take an enormous amount of time to actually get to those answers. So I think you need a hiding place um, so that we can get to a place where into your hands we commit our spirit. But we don't wanna do this, do we? Right? We wanna be Superman. We wanna be Superman Christians, right? We want every crisis or insult or injury or plans not working out just to kind of bounce off of us. We wanna be bulletproof. We wanna leap tall crises and doubts and despair in a single bound. We want our sanctification to move faster than a speeding bullet. We wanna pray one time and be healed and be done with it. We don't really wanna experience the hurt of it. Right? We wanna be Superman. Isn't it interesting though that even Superman has the fortress of solitude that he has to retreat to, why? Because he needs to be reminded who he is and what his purpose is. And here's the truth of the matter, men and women, we're not Superman. We bleed, we get hurt, we get tired, we get angry, we get greedy, we get lonely, and we need to have a hiding place, a place where we can bring down the Father's ear and whisper into your hands, I commit my spirit. I need you to be my rock and my redeemer, God of truth but we also need a climbing place. So we have a hiding place and we have climbing space. The Chilean miners, by the way, to pick up the story, um, eventually they go down and they rescue all 33 of them. They, they finally get up, they start kissing the ground, they start thanking God. They were safe and rescued because they had a hiding place and a refuge. But they would discover that when they got out, they would need strength not only to get out of the ground, but to climb out of bed every morning. Most have suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. Most of the Chilean miners to this day are seeing mental health counselors. Most are still out of work, cobbling together a living from part-time jobs. Most struggle with depression, anxiety, and nightmares. One of the Chilean miners found himself building a wall around his house and when asked why, he couldn't give an answer. And then there's Jorge, who they interviewed, and he said this, I am alive, thanks to God. That's the important thing. But I should be doing better. I should be doing better. Isn't Jorge's story our story? Anybody in here, walk in here tonight and go, I'm alive, thanks be to God, but I think I should be doing better. I should be doing better. We know that God is our hiding place and our refuge, right? We know that he's proven faithful. Some of us walk through the moments when finances and relationships and even our health have caved in all around us, yet he provided a hiding place, a safe place, and we're like, we're okay in the refuge, and he came to us, and he rescued us. 
But we should be doing better, shouldn't we? CNN had to ask the question three years later, do the miners need a second rescue? Hey, crisis Christian in here tonight, I wonder if you need a second rescue. It's okay that you're not okay. The Chilean miners were saved from death, but they needed help adjusting to life. Hey, just so we're clear, Christianity is not just in the business of saving people from death. It's in helping them live life abundantly and eternally here and now in the kingdom of God, fully alive and fully free to be exactly who God's created you to be. Does anybody else in here need a second rescue? Crisis Christians, unfortunately, are living life the way the rest of the world lives life. The only difference is you're holding up a sign that says, I'm sorry. Crisis Christians, you know how to be forgiven, but do you know how to live free? Does someone in here tonight need a second rescue? I love the way that the message translation um, puts this verse. It says, you are my cave to hide in. You are my cliff to climb. Be my safe leader, my true mountain guide. Your hiding place and your climbing space. So some of us tonight need to remember that you not only needed grace to come to Jesus, you need grace right now to follow Jesus. Some of you need to be reminded tonight, it's gonna take courage, if not more, for you to follow God than when it did for God to find you. And some of us need to realize tonight, we need as much strength to climb the mountain as we do to retreat to our refuge. And whisper once again, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Here's why these two things need to go in tandem, your hiding place and your climbing space. What's unfortunate is usually we gravitate towards one or the other. Usually we're good at one and not so good at the other. A lot of times we like to small, start small groups around one and not the other. Like start churches around one and not the other. If you have a hiding place, but no climbing space, you have half the gospel. You have a gospel of sin management and pain management. What you have is all identity and no purpose. What you have is you need tonight to move from being a victim to being a victor in Christ Jesus. You need to discover that God is calling you up and out into a dangerous freedom to live life and follow him and to discover a strength that can only be discovered once you've reached for the first cliff. Now, if you have a climbing space, but no hiding place, you have half the gospel. You have a gospel of achievement and self-aggrandizement where it's all about what I can do. And the second God stops helping you, you barely even notice. And what you need to do in that moment, hopefully, is move from self-sufficiency to submission. You, need, you have purpose, but you need to retreat and find your true identity. We need a hiding place and climbing space. And if we want to go from a crisis Christian to a committed Christian, we need to learn how to pray and practice. Into your hands I commit my spirit to find my hiding place and my climbing space. How is this possible? 
It's because even Jesus needed to do this. When he lived here on earth, he was incredible at showing us how to retreat and find refuge in God. He withdrew by himself and with his disciples. And he would say things like, I can only do what I see the father doing. And his identity was firm and secure and he knew who he was in God. But then he had a mountain to climb, didn't he? He climbed right up that hill to Golgotha with his cross and to his cross. And as he got on that cross, you know what else climbed on? All the sin of the world straight on top of his back. And when his body was bleeding and broken and his strength was failing, the son of God whispers from the cross, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And three days later, he climbed straight out of the grave with the power of the resurrection in a resurrected body, showing us the safety, strength, and security of humanity fully alive in the person of Jesus. That's the one who's calling you right now. He wants to lead you and he wants to guide you. He wants to give you a hiding place and some climbing spaces, but it's gonna take you today and every day. Practice and praying into your hands. I commit my spirit. Amen. So let's take 120 seconds. And just kind of lean into what the Lord might be saying to you. We want to be the kind of community that hears the word of God and then listens to the voice of God. So what had your name on it tonight? Are you someone who you need a hiding place? Are you someone that needs to figure out how to be safe and secure in the arms of God? And I would ask you to talk to the Lord about that and just say to him, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Show me what the next step of obedience is and I'll do it. Are you someone who needs climbing space? You've been hiding for far too long and God is calling you up and in to a dangerous and wild and wonderful adventure, but you're petrified and scared. I don't think you'll have the strength, the time, or the resources to go where he's calling you to go. Maybe would you say to him, into your hands I commit my spirit and ask him what the next step of obedience needs to be in your life. Let's listen together.